This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 342 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Simon says, pony up. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Buy Me to Dewormers and Dr. Rose's Remedies. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, Helena, I think congratulations are in order for your smarty pants daughter. She is a smarty pants. <laughs> she is. Yes, she did. Uh, well, her team did very well this past weekend at their quiz rally. And this is for Pony Club, right? Up there in Rhode Island. This is for the United States Pony Club. She belongs to the Southeast New England region uh region <laughs> group. And um, Grace attends Pony Club at a Pony Club Center. Simon says Welsh ponies in Rehoboth, Mass. Oh, very cool. So we're going to talk, and that's what uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about today. You have one of the, uh, what's her title? What's Anna Corfe's She's one title? of the, she, she's the um, assistant center administrator. She's their coach. Okay, got it. And she's going to be joining us a little bit later. We haven't talked about Pony Club in a long time on the show, actually. No, the last time we did was shortly after they rolled out their center program. We're going to uh, talk more about that. Of course, my wife was an H.A. Pony Clubber back in the day, and uh, ta- and we, we actually worked with the Pony Club for many years after she graduated. So uh, we're going to talk more about that. And I started out, when I started out with Jennifer in the horse world, uh, we, she was actively involved in the Pony Club. So I went to many rallies. Was that many <laughs> rallies? I'm, a, I'm qualified at rallies. All right, good. And you can give me the scoop. <laughs> Your day is coming. Yeah. Your day is coming. <laughs> well, that's good. Congratulations to Grace. That's terrific. Does that mean she yeah. qualifies for nationals, or what's the story? So she qualified as an alternate for nationals oh, good. in quiz. That means she so, goes, though, right? Well, technically, they you don't know that she goes. Okay. Um, it's if someone bails, bails out or can't go, then the alternates go. But um, because it's a big deal and it's kind of far, it's often the case that somebody from the first group can't go. So right. the alternates have a, a very good chance of heading down to nationals. So we're going to plan as if she's going, just in case that opportunity and that, and does that's run. And where this year, nationals? Is that in Virginia or Kentucky? Mm-hmm. That is in Virginia, which yep. is perfect for us. We'll hop in the car and head right down there. It was always very confusing because you can't say you you can say nationals are in Lexington because sometimes they're in Lexington, Kentucky, and sometimes they're in Lexington, Virginia. So oh, it, it works. Point. It works either way. <laughs> so, that's a good like, point. No, they are in. Um, I believe it's the Virginia Horse, Horse Center. Center, which is in Lexington, yep. Virginia. Yep, very good. Yeah, right so off the highway. Good. I've been there too, and it's a really nice facility. Well, I'm really excited because 
well, yeah, I'll tell you, it was very hard for me to just be a spectator. Um, I bet. Hear, we do talk about this in our, our interview with Anna, Grace's coach, um, for as deeply as involved as I want to be. <laughs> I have a little personal growth to do myself, and that's to keep your damn hands off your kid and her pony. <laughs> that's funny. I think every mom has that, though. That's not, not just you. No, Italian moms, it's worse. But Italian moms. <laughs> Well, you know, I, my dad was a natural-born teacher, and he loved to ski and play golf and do a lot of physical things. Um, and he taught me. I mean, he was the foundation for all of my physical activities. He he taught me what it means to use your body. Because you were and a big-time athlete in college and stuff, too, right? I was always an athlete. Yeah. I mean, from I, I was on skis at three years old and, you know, tumbling and swimming and running and jumping and, and doing all of those things. Um I think I have, I was born with a, a, a concept of how to use my body. You know, some people are just naturally athletic. I think I came out with that. Um, but I didn't know how to control it or what to do with it. So my father played a big role in, in helping me with that. Um, I've inherited his uh, propensity for teaching. It's just, it's, you're passionate about the joys of moving your body, however that may be, competitively, artistically, whatever. Um, so I... I want to pass that along to Grace. She, however, doesn't have the same type of natural athleticism that I had. Grace is more, she's way more balance and artistry and, and other things than I, than I had. So, so I clashed with her a lot. Now, my dad and I clashed a lot too. <laughs> but I've, I've learned that if I really want Grace to experience something um, in its truest form, so that she has an opportunity to appreciate it, I have to get myself out of the way. Well, and I am with Grace. I was always one that never had that natural. I really had to work at the athletic stuff. Uh, you know, I played tennis for a long time. I wrestled and all that. But I, I had to work, really work at it. You know, I wasn't like you. So, and it's tougher when you're, when you're having to really work at it and it doesn't come naturally. Uh, you can do it, you know, but it, it, there is a level there that you'll never reach as opposed to the truly athletic ones. Well, uh, it, you know, interestingly though, I don't, I don't, I used to think this, but now I, I don't, I've changed my mind. I don't believe that athleticism gives you, um, an upper hand when it comes to the quality of riding. So for example, so I'm super right. athletic and that gets in my way a lot. You know, you can't, strong arm horse. You can't be a better rider simply by being a better athlete. Grace is a far better rider than I am because she has a very gentle balance. She has, she does not get in her horse's way. Um, you know, she has a much, she has a completely different means of communication with her pony than I do. And I think that's to her benefit as a rider. So, um, I, again, it's, it's about staying out of the way and just letting, and that's what you're right. I didn't, never thought student. about it that way, but probably horse sports are one of the very few where that that athleticism uh, it, it doesn't play as big a part because you have the horse thrown into the mix. It, it, it as opposed to lacrosse or something where it's true athleticism. You know, it's it's all that. Well, uh, here's skill. here's the thing: true athleticism is defined in different ways, and this is something that I've learned from riding horses. Um, it's a different kind of athleticism. It really is. Um, it's not that just muscular force, power, Brute force, speed, yeah, distance, right. It's not throwing um, a shot put. 
uh, it's not throwing a shot. It's not tumbling. It's not, you know, balance on the balance beam. It's, it's something completely different, but it is, it is an incredible form of athleticism. So just something to chew on a little bit. Hmm, interesting. Well, we're going to talk more about that when we get to our interview here. But before we do, I just wanted to mention really quickly that we're going to be, Jennifer and I are heading, and, and Dr. Wendy and Kyle uh, from the Driving Radio Show are going to be heading to the Global Pet Expo this week. We leave, we're recording this on Tuesday, and we leave tomorrow for that. That's why this show's out a little early this week. And the Global Pet Expo is a is a wholesale retail show for the pet world, for the dog and cat side of things. And we're very excited. There's going there's a 3,000 booths and about 5,000 retailers that show up for this, so it's a huge show. They asked us to come in and kind of on, uh, we're, we're going to be doing a podcasters meeting on Thursday morning of people who do podcasts about animals, and we're kind of representing the horse world. So we're going to be doing that, and then coming to you live on Horses in the Morning, Friday morning, Dr. Wendy and I will be talking to a bunch of people about new products coming out in the pet world. So every, all of us have dogs and cats, so we're going to be talking about uh, new products coming out and some of the bizarre stuff coming out for dogs and cats, and that'll be on Friday morning's Horses. Horses in the Morning show live at 9 a.m. Eastern at HorsesInTheMorning.com. So tune in for that as well. Our first guest today is Dr. David Ellison. He is from Buy Me to Dewormers. It's the second part in our series we're doing on deworming. And, of course, that's something that everybody starts to think about this time of year as we're coming into spring. Our first part was last month. If you missed that, you can go back and take a listen to it at StableScoop.com. And let's take a listen to the second part in this series on deworming. Well, Glenn here with the Horse Radio Network, and I have Dr. Ellison with us, and he is a Director of Technical Services with Bimeda Incorporated. And, well, so t- we're talking about dewormers. We did the first part last month on the shows, and I'm sure everybody heard that, and we're doing a second part. And today we're talking about product labeling and FDA approvals. So you go into the tech shop or you're online. What can you learn from the product labels of all these different dewormers out there? Well, it's, it's really interesting um, how few people actually read a label. Um, <laughs> and I guess we're, we're all kind of guilty of that uh, in different aspects of our life where we don't want to read directions. We just you know, want to use something. But what you can learn from looking at the label is what that product has been approved for and which parasites it will uh, control. Not all the products on the market are approved for all of the essential parasites. Um, and, you know, it's really important also to look at uh, what weight uh, of animal can be treated with that tube of dewormer that you're picking up. Some are 1,250 pounds and uh, others, like Equimax, are 1,320 pounds. So, you know, there's, there's differences from that standpoint. And also there's a safety profile that you're going to see. You know, is the product approved for pregnant or lactating mares? Is it approved for breeding stallions? Uh, how young can a foal be when it's started on that product? That's all going to be listed on those labels. And I have seen people, you talk about the weight, and I have seen people with ponies just squirt the whole tube in and not, you know, and then say, ah, I don't worry about that. Isn't it important not to give them too much, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the products on the market do not have a very wide margin of safety. 
you know, there is a there, in some cases there's a narrow range between uh, the efficacious dose and the toxic dose. So yeah, it's very important to have a accurate weight, and it's very important to give the amount of product that's required. And it's also important not to underdose because then you're getting into an area that we'll probably talk in the future called resistance. You're, you're more likely to, to develop resistance uh, on your farm or ranch uh, if you're underdosing your animals. Let's talk a little bit about that now. Talk about resistance. Resistance is, is something that, you know, we've been talking about in veterinary medicine, especially on the equine side, for the last uh, five to ten years, and, and it's been a real concern for us uh, with equine antiparasitical. Every time we deworm our horses, we are essentially selecting for parasites that are resistant to that particular active ingredient in that dewormer that we're using. So the more often we deworm, the greater the opportunity for resistance to develop. Uh, so we've really now uh, taken on a targeted approach to deworming where we're identifying uh horses by uh, their ability or, or propensity to shed eggs. And we know there's basically three groups, low shedders, medium shedders, and high shedders. We know that 80% of the horses out there are going to be low shedders, and then that, there's a 20% out there that will be those high shedders. And those are really the horses that we concentrate on. And we, we, uh, we make sure that we have a very solid deworming program to uh, limit the amount of eggs that they're seeding down our pastures with. Well, how do you know if a product is working? How do I know if I'm using a wormer that it is actually working? You know, it's a great, another great question. Uh, you know, a lot of people just wing it. They just sort of, you know, pick a pretty box off the shelf or go with something that maybe their friends have told them about. But there, there really is a, a well-grounded scientific method that can be used that's easy to do uh, on any farm or ranch. And what we do is the day that we administer the dewormer, we get a fecal sample from that particular horse or group of horses, and then we check the fecal egg count for that horse. And that's going to be expressed in eggs per gram of fecal material. And that's done in the special counting chamber, and, and uh, in any uh, veterinary clinic can, can conduct that test. We come back two weeks later after the dewormer has been administered and we get another fecal sample from those individual horses and we do a fecal egg count test again. And we compare the two and we want to see a reduction of at least 90%. If it's less than 90% reduction in the egg count, we know that we are starting to develop or have developed a resistance issue and we need to switch to a different class of dewormer on our farm or ranch. Okay, so that's how you overcome the resistance issue is you, you really have to have more information to, to do it intelligently. Right. You yeah. can't deworm your horses and say, well, they look pretty good. Right. So it must be working. Right. Yeah, that's one area where where, uh, where you definitely need the testing. And we're going to talk more about fecal testing in our next session that we do here. But in the meantime, you can find out a ton more information at the website. It's by Mita. That's B-I-M-E. 
daequine.com, bimetaequine.com. There's all kinds of great information on there on deworming plans and fecal testing and resistance, just what we talked about. Uh, also, the different types of parasites, and there's a question and answer section section on there with Dr. Dave. So you can find out more information on the website at bimetaequine.com. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again next month. Up next, we have Anna Corfi, who is my daughter's um, pony club coach. Technically, her title is the Pony Club Assistant Center Administrator. And um, every pony club has either um, what they call a, a DC, which like district commissioner, I think, and then um, pony club centers have center administrators. Um, Anna's job is basically the um, she coaches the girls team. And uh, she is an A graduate, which is the highest you can go in Pony Club, and it's some serious business. If you go and look at the requirements and what it takes to become an A graduate, Anna's got it. Um, she's got some serious street she cred. Did it in the old days, when you had to do it, by the time you were age twenty-one, they've moved it up to twenty-five now. It was almost, it was very difficult to do. And in Minnesota, that like yeah, doubles the degree right. of difficulty. <laughs> that's true. And um, she's well, we're lucky to have her here in New England now. She has a day job, a corporate day job, so she does have a real life. She is an upper level eventer, um, very successful, very active, competing. She goes back and forth to Aiken and, and New England. She's all over the place with her horse. Um, she's a fan of the thoroughbreds, which we all love. Woohoo! And um, so we're going to hear from Anna. She's going to talk to us a little bit about um, how she got to be a pony club instructor and, and what it's meant to her life and where she thinks it's going. Welcome, Anna, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. I'm very happy to have you join us today. Well, I'm happy to be here and to be of assistance. So um, we've already introduced you to our listeners, but um, we just kind of gave them the, the, the teacup version of what you're all about. You are the Simon Says Pony Club Center Assistant Center Administrator, and that's like vomiting a lot of information up. But th- this yeah. is you're in charge. It's your job to shape the future of our children. <laughs> in their pony club career, yes, absolutely. <laughs> in their pony club career. Um, tell uh, us the what rest means. of it's back to the parents there, Helena. That's you, yeah. you, You're still involved nope. at somewhere. No, no, no. I just keep I don't think her. she wants to take all the responsibility, but uh, yeah. just a part of it. Well, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, part of one of the things that I kind of credit myself for, I I definitely am not up for any mother of the year awards, but I cannot teach my own child, especially when it comes to something that I'm as emotional and passionate about as horses. So I'm all about handing her off to somebody who can give her an objective view of of the horse world. And Anna's been perfect for that. But um, so Anna, tell us how you came to be in the role that you're in. Obviously, you are an A graduate from Pony Club, which is a big deal. But how did you get where you are today? Um, Well, I started riding when I was about six years old. And in the barn that I was at, they had a a couple of those kids were in the local Pony Club. But now remember, this is like northern Minnesota. So there was one Pony Club. um, And the next one closest to us was about a three and a half hour drive. So if you wanted to learn anything about horses, you just joined anything that was available to you. So I subsequently joined Pony Club um, in our local club and was fortunate enough to even have one near me. And it just grew from there. I was like, you know, I started, you know, my club was semi-involved, but 
I'm one of those people who will just go out and find information. I think I was about 11 years old and I wrote national saying, give me all the standards because I want to become an A. And they sent me all the standards. So I read through them and said, all right, this is what I want to do. And I started making phone calls and writing letters and getting information I needed to, you know, get the right credentialing done and whatever I needed to do to make it happen. And, And so I did, it was a long, it was a long tour, but it was definitely worth every effort. Uh, it was a little painful at times, but uh, I learned so much. And um, so then I finally um, aged out at that time when I was 21, and I went on to doing both a regular day career, and I've also um, did a short-term full-time horse career. I'm back in a day career, but on the side, I also teach a little bit, and I help give back by getting involved with Pony Club on the local level, and I'm also a a member of the national eventing committee for um, Pony Club as well. So now, so, and I, can yeah. I j- jump in here quick? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, uh, so now, you you what state again did you grow up in? Minnesota. Okay, you didn't learn enough in Pony Club because if you were smart Pony Club or graduate, you would have moved <laughs> south. Instead, you yeah, moved from one cold, snowy place to an even colder, snowy yeah, place exactly. this year. I know, I know. Uh, you Anna. know, it teaches the kids a lot. We we were jumping snowbanks back there, so you just jumped what you could. <laughs> I wouldn't so, recommend that nowadays, but... You know, those were hey, in the 80s. So you could have, <laughs> well, speaking of 80s, it's in the 80s in Florida today. You blew it in. I'm just saying. I know. I, I know. Saying. I don't know what I was thinking, I to be honest. <laughs> All right. Helena, sorry. <laughs> and that, that was productive how, Glenn? <laughs> I just had to bust her chops about <laughs> that. I, she's not depressed enough. I thought I would just throw that in. Uh, yeah, he can pick a fight with anybody. Uh, why he it. wants to pick a fight with competitive pony clubbers is beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, from Anna's background, at 11 years old, she's running to you know the the nationals like she has a competitive streak in her (laughs) but so Uh, you know you're you're here Anna and you you Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really found that I love about you is that it's the giving back part because Pony Club when you see as evidence from the the recent quiz rally we went to even something that's unmounted takes a, a huge amount of effort to pull together the tables um the infrastructure the people the food the location all of this stuff um requires a lot of volunteer effort and without a doubt these i mean there's this is just coming right from their hearts right from your hearts to give to these kids um but the the um competitiveness you know it's such a healthy competitive environment compared to, in my opinion, some of the other disciplines. But it's sort of, it's rooted in the eventing world, which I find to be more objective than some of the other disciplines. How do you feel that objectivity trickles down into Pony Club? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, having having been in competitive in Pony Club and gone, you know, gone to, you know, all the rallies and did that as a, as a kid and, and taking the kids now to rallies and being competitive in it, it's great. But it's also those same competitions are also for, you know, kids go not even just to be competitive, but just also to be involved because they just take it as a learning experience. Like, for one instance, um, this past weekend at our quiz rally, I had a little girl who walked up to my, I was running one of the tables and she walked up and said, she's probably six or seven years old. I just joined Pony Club, so I'm not sure I'll get all any of the answers. I'm like, sweetie, that is fine. You're here to learn. And she was right. She didn't get any of the answers. But before I gave her her little test sheet back, I said, let's go over the table. And so we, you can learn because this isn't all about, so we talked about like 
how great of an experience it's going to be to just to know more, even though you might not get any right. And then I handed her a paperback saying, you're right, sweetie, you didn't get any right, but now you know the answers and you can, you know, try your best next time. And she's like, yep, you're right. I'll do better next time. And so I, so I think it's just like how you approach it and how you, you know, talk to somebody, communicate to a kid like that. That, you know, if I think if I would have handed it back to her, she might have been crushed. It's <laughs> like, sorry, yeah. you're right. You're right. And it could have like ruined her, you know, feeling towards Pony Club and her, and also her parents. Cause again, you know, parents need to be involved at some level um, with Pony Club because, you know, a lot of it's studying at home. A lot of it, you know, is just driving them to the barn and driving them to the unmounted lessons and, you know, having, encouraging them to, you know, do their homework at home, which is, you know, it can be for, uh, for our kids, it can, it can be a lot. So, well, yeah, just keeping track of their armbands and their pin. Is a big that deal. Alone. I know. Please. I keep, it's funny because I keep a stash of those in my purse, even here at work, ironically enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Don't let that out. Anna. Yeah. Don't let Exactly. <laughs> oh, too funny. So it's such a great organization, though. I just I can't say enough about it. It 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 really is, and there's there's context, which is great because so you've got this girl who comes up, she's brand new to Pony Club, and you in that one instant created this wonderful supportive context for her, which um, you know it's like an on off switch. You can turn them on to the world of Pony Club um, with one kind word, and you can turn them off to to the world of pony club with yep. not necessarily unkind but you know uncaring and right. um i found that there are a lot of people in the organization who like you know we take it very seriously it's because it's big and it's important in a lot of people's lives a lot of kids lives yeah um, but so you have um so your job is to take these kids and we have a group so there's there's we talked a little bit in fact when when USPC first came out with the Pony Club Center program. Explain, we, explain that. Uh, because when, when my wife was in, she's an HA graduate too, but 30 years ago. So um, they didn't have a, what's called a center program. Explain what that is. So, yep, it, it's a new, um, relatively new model that Pony Club came out because they realized, um, you know, that being a traditional club, a Pony Club is, you know, not the, the traditional nonprofit model, but some of the, barns don't are not willing to and understandably so are not willing to put on a pony club because it it's not a it's not a cash flow for them and being in the horse industry I can appreciate that because a lot of times you're very much living paycheck to paycheck and to put on a pony a traditional pony club takes a lot of time and effort and energy and volunteers from you and your and the parents and the kids involved but it's not a revenue stream so they decided you know what let's do um, Pony Club centers, and it is a for-profit portion of Pony Club. So our center is for-profit. So what happens is, is that our club, uh, our members pay a fee to do their lessons, to do their unmounted. But we don't require the club to, um, or the parents to raise money or fundraise because we're not even allowed to because we're a, we are for-profit. So it's a nice addition to an existing current lesson program. Got it. Okay. Yep. And it, it provides a lot of opportunity for kids who um, don't have their own mount. Like for us, it's not even that we don't have our own mount. We just have, we can't truck him anywhere. Right. So we don't have a trailer. So, um, you know, that it removes a huge obstacle to access. For and, the that, yep. and, and, and yeah, going, 
going back, and I think Anna will agree with this, that has been an obstacle in the past. Um, you know, years ago, it was a problem if you did, you know, if there was a limited amount you could do, you could do, you know, you could do uh, without your own pony or being able to trailer. And that's always been an issue in Pony Club. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. the other thing is it gives a good um, curriculum to a current lesson, lesson program for their unmounted, for their um, mounted program. And it gives them, a, a like, something to go by so that, you know, not only the, the regular lessons, they can um, look at this curriculum and work towards it, but also in their pony club lessons, too, because our kids do both. They, they actually, in many cases, they ride with me for pony club lessons. They ride with a regu- regular instructor at the club, or they ride on it with an outside instructor, uh, outside instructor at another barn, and they come here for um, pony club as well. So... And in, in that case, then we try to send some of the curriculum um, and the writing objectives to that trainer um, to say, hey, can you work with, you know, Katie on X, Y, and Z? And so you just build that relationship in it and usually works out uh, quite nicely. So it, gives, it does give some uh, a level of curriculum to a current existing lesson program where otherwise they wouldn't have that available to them. Yeah, and I don't find that really in too many other disciplines where there's this sort of cross pollination of support and, and instruction, right. you know, right. it's either like you're riding exclusively with this trainer at this barn doing these things, but pony club seems to gently, um, insert itself into, you know, a well-rounded riding education for their kids, which again is kind of unheard of and makes it especially attractive, um, as a uh, life yeah. as right as a training ground for life lessons. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You know, um, going through my ratings and going to, you know, rallies, it taught you a lot about like how to interact with other people on a professional level, because that's what's expected. So I felt like coming into my first job without even having a corporate job, I felt like relatively prepared to deal with people on a professional level, even though I had no background, you know, and this is my early twenties, right. <laughs> Coming out of college kind of thing. So it, you know, there's definitely some life lessons and life skills that come out of this in addition to their, you know, the riding and unmounted. And, and another um, great thing about pony club is that it, it is, it is not only riding centered, but the horse management piece is so, it's so instrumental in, in what everything that we do. And it's such a nice change because it, it teaches them everything about what they need to know about how to care for the horse. But not only that, but like why and then how and what if scenarios and that kind of thing. So it's just like this rounded education. You know, if I had my druthers, I would personally require every instructor in this country to go through pony club because yeah i do i feel like that if we were going to get a licensing agency it should be that i know the state of massachusetts is the only country the only state in the country that requires a riding instructor's license um but the test right now isn't geared towards that it's it's geared towards other things and they're looking at modeling something after you know the instructor certification programs that like the USDF has and the, and the pony club system and their curriculum. So that's exciting. And because it's such a well-rounded education, um, you know, now other organizations are starting to look at that too, as a, as a good model. I took that Massachusetts instructors test, um, myself too. (laughs) And, and, and the, the packet that they gave you to help prep was, was great, but I'll tell you, I got a lot of my studying done from pony club manuals. Now I was 
I didn't really get heavily involved into horses until I was outside of the pony club age. Like I didn't even discover it until I was an adult. Um, but I went out and I bought all the manuals. And if it wasn't for those, you know, obviously with my, my experience, it was really helpful. Um, but the thing about that, I, I really agree with you on the, um, you know, if we could have a licensing infrastructure, pony club is, has, there's, they have standards of proficiency, but the key word there is standards. Now, if you ask five different horse people the same question, you're going to get five different answers. And that is really a problem. I think it creates this very fractured culture in the horse world. So, Oh, um, absolutely. Right. And then even then there are other organizations who are popping up saying, well, these are our standard standards and these are your standards. But Pony Club is, is the oldest and they continue to research. So they're this, it's a governing body that, um, doesn't just hold on to old standards. The, the standards right. are constantly evolving, and you know your level of proficiency within those standards is it's it's almost like this horse university. You know, it's got the infrastructure of a university behind it in terms of research and propagating the standards. It is the closest thing that we have to uh, some of the European schools of you know equitation and riding that they have over there. Pony Club's the next best thing that we have. We don't have that pipeline, but I think Pony Club. You know, Pony Club can easily, you know, for those kids that are want to go on to become professionals or become elite riders, it's really a pipeline from that to young riders to right now they have the U25 to, you know, getting into that whole elite riding pipeline. So it's it's an avenue. There's an avenue in Pony Club for every single skill level and everybody's endeavor for sure. Now, I know that they were talking a couple of years ago about getting a Western side started too because Pony Club's always been you know, leaned English. Uh, has that happened? It has happened. They do have a Western um, track now, which is um, exciting for those Western riders who've always been kind of aching to get involved with Pony Club. Um, and, you know, and I think it's kind of riding right along, you know, Western dressage is starting to come out and be really popular at, at in some areas as well. I see it at some of our uh, um, local dressage shows here in New England, the Western dressage. And so it's based off of that type of uh, riding skill. And so, yes, we do have Western, which is very exciting. I personally know nothing about it. So, is it raining based? It's, it's kind of, it's more like a Western dressage base from what okay. I know, but, um, but uh, the clubs and the centers have the ability to add it or to not have it. And that's just based on like, we personally don't at Simon says, cause I don't have anybody, you know, there that could teach it. That's the only thing. I mean, they could join our club. I just wouldn't be able to give them lessons in what other than they could only they could join and just do the horse management side. But I wouldn't be able to do, you know, ratings or anything like that just because I don't have the skill level. But it is growing in popularity. Are you really telling exciting. me, Anna, that your sliding stops are not really good? <laughs> yeah, no, not so much unless I fall on the ice. That's the only sliding stop I can do. <laughs> that's it. Um, the other thing that's really exciting is because um, – you know, like I earlier, I had mentioned that I aged out when I was 21, but um, they, you know, increased that um, a few years ago to 25. And now in addition to that, they had also started a horse master's program, which is for adults. And they've just recently opened up horse masters. So you, any, any adult can actually join a pony club and essentially follow in the same similar tracks that pony, the regular pony clubbers do too. So that's really exciting. It gives them an opportunity to, um, you know, go through a rating system. There's a whole horse master's track rating system that they would go through. But, you know, 
and theoretically they will be able to um, compete in rallies and that kind of thing. I think the Pony, National Pony Club is working out all the details right now, but that's the idea, which is really, really exciting. So for all the people that want to join Pony Club, now here's your opportunity. And I, I also see it as a great you know, possibility for, uh, you know, having um, other lesson programs to adapt the horse masters thing in there. It's a whole curriculum, again, for adults that um, can, you know, hey, make it a wine and cheese party and we can talk about rapping. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like that whole kind of concept. So, Even it real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, that's how you're going to get people that's to join. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Booze and food. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, I am um, personally very thankful that Grace has the opportunity to learn under you and Cheryl Amaral of Simon Says Welsh Ponies, which is a fantastic center. And Cheryl's got a lot of great, great ponies, which really kind of makes it cool for you, too, Anna, because you got yeah. like this whole you got a whole like bucket of, of ponies, like, to play awesome with. ponies to choose from yeah exactly she has so many and she's constantly leasing them out or selling them and ponies are coming back in so the the kids actually ride a large amount of different ponies and you know smaller horses um so they you know they have some regular standbys that are there but they're always getting a good chance to um see another one go or ride another one. So they're getting skilled on. I think some of those kids might even have ridden more horses than I've ever had in my life because of the fact that they're, either, yeah, they're always riding, you know, they're somebody new over a long period of time, obviously, but still it's really, it's great. It's a nice, um, it's a nice change for, for me versus, um, seeing the same kid, you know, year in and year out on the same, same pony. And sometimes mm-hmm. you can get, um, as an instructor, you can get a little tapped out from that. You know, if you if the pony is a little bit like, you know, it can only go so far, but then maybe the the skill level for the child has come to the point where they might need a new pony, but it's not possible for that, you know, for them to, you know, get well, a new that, one. Yeah, that's good warm up too, because as they get higher levels of pony club, they do have to ride other people's horses uh, for you know as they get to the highest levels yep. as part of their testing. And the other thing it prepares them for too is college. If they end up in a college program, they're always going to be riding other people's horses. So yeah, but, without a doubt. Yeah. Yep. And one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was from Coach Jen. Um, she said, "Ride the horse you're on," which is um, a big deal. For me, yep. you got to ride the horse you're on. You can't, it's not a one size fits all type of approach to riding. So, um, you, you know, having kids, giving kids the opportunity to do that, to understand what that means at an early age, um, is going to save them a heck of a lot of frustration as they grow up riding. So it's yep. again, another plus for yeah. the Pony Club Centers program. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, we could go on for hours and hours. An hour for days about horses and pony club. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, my, my thanks to you, Anna, for doing such a great job with our pony club. I'm looking forward to years more of uh, working with you up here in New England. Oh, thank you. It's a lot of fun. It's um, it's a nice change of pace for me too to to get out of, uh, out of the corporate world and a little go back and teach a little bit and you know still manage to teach and help out Pony Club in addition to my own riding. So I, I do, yeah. and I do have one more question for you. Um, sure. Now during the quiz competitions, when Grace uh, Helena's daughter's in there and yep. doing her thing, is Helena in the back jumping up and down with her hand up in the air when she knows the answer? Because I can so see her doing that. I don't know. I think when 
I think when her team won, she jumped up and her hands went up in the air. So she was a really excited kid. It was so much fun to see. That was the first time she actually understood what it meant to accomplish, to win. You know, I think different kids um, uh, really understand, comprehend different life concepts, right, at different ages. That was the first time Grace really got what it meant to put effort into something and be rewarded by winning. Um, instead of just being handed a ribbon for going around in circles and not really understanding what she did to get there. Um, right. And, and so that comprehension was, of course, it moved me to tears. And then, you know, Anna and Cheryl turned and looked at me and they had these big glow, this big glow on their faces like, okay, that was a really big deal. She's, she's an alternate for nationals, but that's a big deal. So we're going to take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> and I try to stay away from it, Glenn. I, that's the one thing I... Please, it takes every ounce of energy for me to I know that. <laughs> Fully immersed. Usually, you're sitting in your car because yeah. <laughs> like, and you come and watch the lesson a little bit, and you go away. You come. Back I have to go away. I know yeah, because like, I know Helena for, for a long time. It would it kills her. It just kills her. So, oh, I love it. Right. <laughs> you know, Grace is an only child, and the apron strings are pretty tight. So it's a again, it's another way for them to learn these life lessons. How and, to be and independent. And let's face it. Let's face it. Helena's a little Miss Smarty Pants. And now, now Grace is too. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. Love it. <laughs> well, thank oh, you, Anna, super. for joining us. We're going to post oh, links welcome. and information to the U.S. Pony Club programs on our website. And okay. um, I definitely encourage everybody to check out a center or a club in their area. And we'll give you some links to help you find that. Thank you, Anna, for joining us. All right. Thank you. Take care. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Roses are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Roses is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Roses at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's DrRosesRemedies.com Coming up next is our Tack and Habit segment. This Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Flirting with the World. Visit us online at flirtingwiththeworld.com. If you're a horse person, there's lots of great style advice for women who are on the go, running around from barn to house to office. If you don't know what to wear or how to look great, flirtingwiththeworld.com has some great style advice. Again, flirtingwiththeworld.com. And coming up today on our segment, Coach Jen from the Horse Tip Daily Show gives us a review of the product that we used on Scooter. He had a boo-boo. So we're going to talk about why this was a little bit different. It was because of the location. Scooter had a boo-boo. <laughs> we need a whole show just called Scooter had a boo-boo. Scooter boo-boo. <laughs> that was a title for the next one. Scooter boo-boo. 
important. Well, for our Tack and Habit segment today, we have Jennifer from the Horse Tip Daily Show. Coach Jen is here, and she's been uh, testing a few products for us. And we had one that we had to test uh, just because we had a problem. So <laughs> she's going to talk about that. What do, what do we have? We had my pony again, who is the one that causes all the trouble at this farm. That's right. This was not. This is not a test. This is a real emergency. That's right. Scooter. <laughs> Scooter, who just seems to be in trouble all the time. Scooter is in trouble all the time. Managed to cut his eyelid, a very common injury amongst horses. And the cut on his eyelid was not especially large, but it was right at the little crease right of his Right at the corner eyelid. of his eyeball. Right in right the corner, corner of his eye. So yeah. regardless of what I used to treat this wound, it was going to get on his eyeball. So I was a little bit unsure about what to use. So I called up Dr. Wendy Ying and said, help. And she suggested I try a product called Veteracin. And I was familiar with Veteracin just because back when I worked in the retail biz, we sold it at the store. And I was familiar with the fact that the com- customers used it a lot and liked it. And I thought, okay, check this out. And Veteracin is a liquid wound care product that is safe for use on all parts of your horse. You can use it on the wounds, on their hooves. It gets in their eyeballs. As a matter of fact, it's even labeled to be treating eye issues like pink eye, which is why it was first developed. Um, I honestly cannot tell you how or why it works because if you read the ingredients, it looks like it's salt water to the average Joe like me. It's like, wait a minute, that sounds like, like salt. It's saline, yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds like what well, it sounds like saline, but it, it is not saline like you, like would, you would use buy. It for your contact lenses. No, it yeah, is not, not the same thing at all. There's some kind of fancy chemistry going on that makes it do what it does, and it is excellent for healing all different types of wounds. And the cool part about it is you can get the Veteracin in a little spray top bottle, liquid, and the spray is a really, really super fine mist. It's not like a fly sprayer where it comes out with a little bit of vim and vigor. It comes out in a little gentle puff. So it was really cool. With PT, all we had to do was hold his halter and squirt him right in the eyeball, and he didn't care in the least. No, he didn't. Awesome. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, three times a day, squirt that stuff till his eye was a little damp and it was damp around his eye, and that cut within seven days, was almost completely healed without a care. It was wonderful stuff. Yeah, it did work. And I even was able to do it without causing any trouble. That's so, right. Yes. It's husband approved. It's horse husband horse approved. Husband approved and you can it is do horse, it. It's horse now, he babysitter was really, approved he was really good. horse babysitter used it. Right. He was really good about us spraying it, though. I mean, yes. we got, he was pretty good about that. I'm not sure all horses are going to be good about well, that. Well, we tried it on Pablo. Our, our next-door neighbor's horse, who's a little bit goofy, a little flighty, terrified of his own shadow. And he was good about Now, he wasn't quite so good as P.T. Scooter was, but he was fine. We held the halter and sprayed it because he gets gummies in his eyes all the time uh, from the bugs. And he was really pretty cool about it compared to, like, trying to put a, uh, like, cream medication or something on their eyelid, which we have to do a lot with him. This was much, 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 much easier. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, as with anything that's medical, you know, talk to your vet first to you know, take take what we say with a grain of salt. We're not veterinarians, but it's just a product that we used and it worked and and it did pretty well on a very very sensitive spot. Yeah, it yeah. worked great. It is it's it's got good labeling. It's easy to find at tax shops. Um it's not cheap. We paid $23 for that little squirty bottle, but that squirty bottle would Last probably us 10 years. <laughs> it, it'll probably last just a couple of years. 
Um, and I know people use it for thrush. They use it for like white line disease. They use it for all kinds of different cuts and scrapes and, and holes. So it has a wide variety of applications. So uh, it's spelled V-E-T-E-R-I-C-Y-N. Like I said, you can find it at most local tax stores or online. Check it out. Read the label. Ask your vet what he thinks, but uh, it might be worth a try. Thank you, Jennifer. So Scooter is looking better now. His little eyeball's all healed up, and he's back to being an ornery hackney pony. God, he's such an instigator. He just will pick and pick and pick. He's like <laughs> that little kid in school that was the, the bully at the, on the bus who just never stopped picking. You know, it, On the way to school, on the way home from school, he was always picking on somebody. And I, uh, Jack was the one, by the way, on my bus. And I won't say his last name, but Jack was the one who was picking on everybody on the way to school on the way home from school. And I think everybody that's ridden the school bus had that one person on the bus that it didn't matter. They just never stopped. And that's Scooter. And I think it's, you think it's a, a size complex. Maybe, you know, he's the littlest one in the field. So he's the one that's just going to be always picking. I, think it's, I think it's a balance thing. Yeah. You know, they're gypped of the, of the size. <laughs> so they're given confidence. I don't know. I think it's a hackney thing, too. <laughs> it's a little, a little oh, tough, tough guy. Oh, Poor makes him great gets... driving. It makes him great competitors. Beaker is so sick of him, and we have to. We do separate him. We try and give him separate Beaker. time for about a couple hours every day, just to give Beaker a break from the kid. Separate oh, time. He is so. You know, maybe you need to get Scooter a pony of his own. He maybe you need to get him like out. a mini. Oh, then they'd both, then we'd have vet bills. That's what, yeah, that's, that's true. What, that's that's what true. That, at least when there's a size difference, you know, when Beaker truly gets sick of it, he lets him know, and then Scooter will back off a little bit. But whew, oh, all right, he is such a little. Little troublemaker, a scotch. That's yeah. what we call him in Italian. A scotch. He, he definitely is a scotch. There's no trouble, no, no, no uh, doubt about that. But he's fun. I wouldn't have it any other way. I still love my pony. Cool. Well, we're gonna have to wrap this up. We have a we have a show to get off to here in Florida. So uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Don't forget to get the app iOS or Android, just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and it's easy to use. And you can find Helena at flirtingwiththeworld.com uh, or you can send me a message here at Horse Radio Network helena at horseradionetwork.com and if you have any show ideas guest ideas I've been getting some recently so we would love to hear from you just send them to Helena and I at horseradionetwork.com and uh, we would we would love to hear your ideas about potential guests and we'll try and get them on And, of course, you can find all the past episodes. How many is this now, Helena? 342 episodes. Yeah. You can go find them at, uh, and I have a statistic for you I'll give you here in a second. Uh, You can go find them at StableScoop.com all the way back to episode number one. Do you realize that only a half of 1% of all podcasts ever make it past five years? So we are probably now at about a quarter of 1% of podcasts that have made it seven years. You're kidding. No, that's the number. And you know what? We're coming up in August. We'll be going into eight years doing this. Can you believe that? This is the longest job I've ever had. (laughs) Me too, for that matter. (laughs) That's true. I can't say it makes me the most money. (laughs) No, it doesn't make me the most money either. I always made more money doing other stuff. (laughs) You know what? We survived probably one of the worst economic downturns in history. So that's saying something. Yeah, because we were willing to work for nothing. I mean, that's what's what's what's. But you know what? We were dedicated. We liked being together every week. We still do, and that's why we do it. And, you know, we have a lot of cool fans and and listeners, and that helps, too. 
yes. uh, you know, people around the world that take a listen to this show. So we're glad that you do, and thank you so much for being here. We also want to thank our sponsors, Buy Me to Dewormers and Dr. Rose's Remedies, along with Flirting with the World. That's it for this week. That's plenty, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping, my friends.